uh, today. So uh, Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one... uh, Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm in a fantasy football uh, playoff today, so i got to make sure I uh, get my lineup set up. Hold on. Uh, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Hold on a second. I just, I got to take this. Hello? All right, put in Brady. I got We got to play Brady. Yeah, no, it's okay. I'm just preaching. No problem. All right, goodbye. Sorry about that. Um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Uh, what if there was something I, could, I told you could increase your risk of depression, could cause headaches, could cause eye strain, could expose you to more germs, could make you have trouble focusing, could lead you to increased anxiety, could lead to developmental issues in children, could decrease your satisfaction in marriage, increase your likelihood of divorce, decrease the quality of your relationships. It could cause you to get into car accidents, could cause you even to get cancer, potentially. could cause you to spend more than you should. Would you want something like that? Well, most of us probably would, and most of us would pay hundreds of dollars for such a thing. Statistics say about 81% of Americans have a smartphone today. And as we enter into this new year, we think about what do we want to accomplish in this new year in 2021. Of course, we want to get over get 2020 over with as soon as possible because of all the things that have happened in 2020. But as we're looking forward, what do we want to accomplish? What do we want to be in the new year? And I think Jesus gives us a clear guide for what we should strive towards. No matter what our calling in life, whatever God calls us to do, Uh, There's a fundamental thing that he calls all of us to, and that is to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, other passages say strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those are the two things, the greatest commandments that Jesus gives us. He says that all of the law and the prophets hinge on those two commandments. And so if we get to the end of 2021 and we've accomplished those things, we've loved our neighbor as ourselves, and we loved God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we've accomplished what we wanted to accomplish, we've had a good year. But I think there's a threat to us doing that. And I would submit to you that one of the biggest threats is something we carry all around with us, a smartphone. Now, I recognize that not everybody has a smartphone here. And uh, if you don't use a smartphone, I'm sorry, we're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, But it could also apply to other forms of media, to television, to uh, video games, to all different other uh, things like that, or either, even other kind of habits or addictions. Uh, so if you, if you don't have a smartphone, just try to track, and maybe it will provide you kind of a background for 
uh, others who maybe do have a smartphone, you'll be able to understand it a little bit better. Uh, before I get started, I, I'd like to say this is a tough message because of how deeply ingrained uh, phones have become in our lives and how uh, mainstream culture wants us to be addicted to these devices. And so you won't hear a message about, you know, kind of curbing cell phone use very often. It's like, use this app, use that app. Look at what you can do with this device. I also want to say that I am speaking out of a, of a time of conviction. I speak not as a pastor who has it all together, but as one who struggled with this. And I feel like God has really been speaking to me and convicting my heart over the last several weeks on this issue. I speak as one who has gone to parties and just been in the corner on my phone. I speak as one who's been playing on my phone and too busy to see my son bringing up a book to me. So I speak not from a place of having it all together. I speak from a place of conviction where God has spoken to my heart. And so I hope you don't feel judgment as I speak today. So first of all, we have to kind of, kind of figure out where we're at as a culture. Uh, the smartphone was invented in 2007. And I remember in 2000, I think it was probably 2009, 2010, I was in seminary. And I remember my friend was watching a keynote or uh, advertisement, something related to the new iPhone that was coming out. And it was one of the early generations of iPhones. Most people didn't have iPhones at that point. And I remember observing that. I remember thinking to myself, why would anybody want something like that? I mean, why would you ever need a smartphone? I mean, I have a computer, I have Wi-Fi, I had one of those iPod Touch, you can connect to the internet on Wi-Fi, and so I thought, why would you need to pay for a device where you could access the internet anywhere that you wanted? I mean, can I just wait till I get home? It's free. Can I just wait till I get back to the seminary? They provide free Wi-Fi. And so I thought to myself, why would anybody ever want something like that? And then things started to change. Remember how they used to charge for megabytes and it was like you couldn't even download an email or you'd be out of data? Then they moved from megabytes to gigabytes and now they moved to unlimited. And they had all these promotions where, you know, they were trying to get you to start using data so they had all these sales on iPhones and so uh, it wasn't too long before I got an iPhone. And then it wasn't too long after that that I, you know, changed my mindset from why would anyone ever need something like this to how did anyone ever live without something like this? And it seems archaic, and I think back even in seminary that wasn't really that long ago, it doesn't seem that long ago, it's like I didn't have a phone to give me directions. I had to either use one of those old GPSs, the old Garmin's or whatever it was, or you know, before that, look up a map. You know, look up directions, remember MapQuest, and, and it's like archaic to think about going back there or uh, going back to the days when, you know, if you wanted something, especially if it was something specific to purchase, you might have to go to like six different stores to find that thing. And now you can order it in like 10 seconds on your Amazon app. Think about, you know, getting news and, you know, waiting to hear the news on television or hear the weather. And it seems kind of archaic now that, you know, you'd have to watch it. You, you can't just have it on your phone and see the weather forecast in real time. 
And for many of us, smartphones have become like a part of our bodies. Uh, We have them with us 24-7. Many people, maybe even most people, um, sleep with their phones or sleep with them right next to their uh, bed on their nightstand. And uh, even people have, and I've actually experienced this, believe it or not, uh, had this experience where you'll fear or feel like a notification in your pocket. You'll feel your uh, phone vibrating, and, you, and then you look, and your phone isn't even in your, in your pocket. It's called phantom notifications. Apparently, I'm not the only one who's experienced this. Many people feel anxiety when they're not with their phones or even when their phones are turned off. Uh, many, according to research firm, uh, research done by Assyrian, the average smartphone user checks their phone 96 times per day or once every 10 minutes. Uh, other statistics I found said it was once every seven and a half minutes. According to research from the uh, research firm D-Scout, the average smartphone user touches their phone 2,617 times per day, with the top 10% of users touching it over 5,400 times per day. In terms of time spent on the phone, I've seen kind of varying statistics. Um, from, from what I could see, the average is about three hours to about three hours and 45 minutes spent on the phone. One study found that since the pandemic has began, smartphone usage has increased by 57%. So smartphones are all around us. They're a part of our life. They're intertwined with the things that we do in in more ways than we even uh, can think about. But what effects are they having on us? What effects are they having on our relationships? Now, when I was reading the scripture and I was interrupted by that notification for my fantasy football team, how did it make you feel? I mean, you probably thought something was up since I was uh, preaching. But did you feel like I cared about what I was saying? Did you feel like I cared about you? Did you feel like I was fully engaged in what I was talking about? Now, you know, again, when I'm preaching, it's silly to take a phone call or to look at a notification. But if we're in a relationship with someone else and talking to someone else, sometimes we tolerate those interruptions more than we'd like to think. I mean, it's strange when it's up here and someone is talking to a group of people, but it's not as strange if we're talking to someone else or our spouse and someone texts us, and then we have to answer it. Uh, according to uh, Assyrian, again, nine out of ten people get annoyed when someone that they're talking to looks at their phone, and yet 75% of people admit that they've done it. And 20% admit that they do it regularly. There's actually a a phrase that was invented recently uh, for this phenomenon. It's called fubbing. And fubbing is the practice of ignoring one's companions, uh, companion or companions, in order to pay attention uh, to one's phone or other mobile device. Researchers Brandon McDaniel and Sarah Coyne put it this way. By allowing technology to interfere or interrupt our conversations, activities, and time with our romantic partners, even when unintentional or for brief moments, individuals may be sending implicit messages about what they value most, leading to conflict and negative outcomes in personal life and relationships. And uh, research or uh, leadership guru Simon Sinek, who we're actually going to see a video in a couple minutes from him, 
Uh, he suggests that even the presence of a phone, just like I'm holding it now, sends a subconscious signal to those around us that they're not as important as what we have here. And that's if the phone isn't even on. So we can have it sitting next to us, and what are, what are we communicating implicitly? That if something else comes along, I'm going to take that. That's going to take priority over my uh, relationship with you or talking to you. And so we put this almighty device in our pockets, put it on our table, and it, then it doesn't matter if we're talking to our spouse or playing with our kids or no matter what we're doing, we get that Facebook notification and then our attention turns to that. Now, it probably doesn't communicate if it happens once in a while, but when it happens again and again, it communicates that to our, uh, those around us. There was a study that was done in a journal called The Computers of uh, Human Behavior. It was con conducted between 2008 and 2010, and at that point, there weren't as many people on Facebook as there are now, and it, Facebook was kind of growing and in their process of growth. And what they did was they looked at states and they kind of observed their growth of Facebook users. And they found a positive correlation between the growth of Facebook users and the incidence of divorce in those states. The researchers concluded that Facebook is a positive, significant predictor of divorce, of the divorce rate and spousal troubles in the United States. Not only does it have an effect on marriages, it also has an effect on a relationship with children. Uh, there's a study published in the Journal of Pediatrics where researchers went to a fast food restaurant and they just kind of observed uh, parents and children and how they interacted with one another and how they interacted with their devices. The dominant theme that came up in, in their conclusion was the degree of absorptions in devices that their caregivers exhibited. For the majority of parents, the study found that their primary engagement was with the device rather than with the child. The researchers also noted that highly absorbed caregivers often responded harshly to child misbehavior. There's also evidence to suggest that children recognize this, uh, and children are actually harmed by this emotionally. Catherine Steiner Adair, a psychologist who's interviewed thousands of children and some parents about the role of screens in children's life, concludes that our children are well aware of our ignorance and are well aware of our, our absorption with the screens. Children ages 2, 15, 18, and 22 use the same phrases to talk about their parents' absorption in the screens. They use the words sad, angry, mad, frustrated. They complain that their parents were so focused on their devices. Catherine Adair continues, like a child's chorus of all ages, talking about this new sibling rivalry. Only it's not a new member of the family, it's a new screen. It's a new device. Our smartphone use can limit our responsiveness, our availability to other people. Let's say you're not talking to someone else. Let's say you're uh, in a social context, you're with other people, but you're not directly involved in a conversation. You're driving in the car with your spouse on a long road trip. You're in the waiting room waiting for a doctor's appointment. You're at a party and you're not engaged with anyone. You're in bed, you're not really talking to your spouse. You both are just kind of sitting there playing on your phone. You know, and in those moments when you have a little bit of boredom and you're on a long drive 
nothing else to do, what do you do? You pull out your phone. Start, you know, maybe shopping on Amazon, go on Twitter, play games, whatever it is that you like to do. But that communicates something to those around us. Let's say after the service, after everyone's dismissed, I come here and I sit in the front row. I'm just playing on my phone, playing on my phone. Now, what does that communicate to you? It communicates, one, either I'm very busy and have something important that I'm talking about, or talking, talking to someone about, or I'm not interested to talk, in talking to anybody else. And, and we do that, and, you know, it's innocent as we do that. It's just a boring moment, but in those moments, we communicate to those around us, we're not interested in talking. We're not available. But the sad part about it is that our relationships are formed uh, in those moments. You know, some of the, you look back on the times of, in your life where you've really uh, grown in your relationship with your spouse or with a friend or uh, whoever it may be, it's often not the event, it's the journey. It's those moments where there's nothing else to do and you're just sitting around talking. It's in the moments before bed when maybe you're praying with your spouse. It's in those quiet, boring moments that often relationships are built, but when we're occupied continually by our phones, we miss out on those moments. Maybe in that waiting room, there's someone sitting next to us that really needs God's encouragement, but we're on our phones. We're not available. See, if we want to love others, we need to listen to them. If we want to listen to them, we have to be available to them. So if we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in 2021, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, we have to listen to them. We need to know their heart, and we need to know their dreams, we need to know their struggles, and we can't do that if we're not available. What if we resolve to make ourselves more available to those around us as we enter into 2021? I can tell you one thing, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult because of the habits that maybe we've built, and also because this is not an individual issue, this is a cultural issue. And so you might be in environments when those around you are just on their phones. And every temptation that you have, every inclination you have might be to just pull out your phone, to just, well, nobody else is engaged. I might as well be on my phone as well. And if we don't do that, we might feel left out, like we're missing out on something. But what if we're the one that breaks the cycle? What if we're the one that's available? When someone is hurting and needs to reach out to someone, we're there, ready, willing to listen. Perhaps we can be the one to break the cycle. Perhaps in a world that's crying out for hope and acceptance, we'll stand out as people who are available to those around us. Not only can smartphones be a hindrance to our relationship with others, it also can be a hindrance to our relationship with God. If you have a Bible, if you wouldn't mind turning to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll read verses 11 to 14. Or 11 to 12. says, and he said, go out and stand before the mountain of the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. God's voice wasn't in the earthquake. God's voice wasn't in the fire. God's voice was a low, quiet whisper. I used to work at my parents' business, and I used to help my mom groom dogs. And I remember it was a very, very loud environment, at least sometimes. You'd have you know, somebody that's washing the dogs. You have the sound of the water. You'd have uh, uh, hair dryers, sometimes multiple hair dryers going at the same time. And then on top of that, you'd have dogs that were sometimes whine or bark. You know, and then there's sometimes multiple ones that are whining or barking. So it was a very loud environment. And then you'd have customers that would come in. And the, where the customers were, it was a little bit quieter. And there was kind of a half door where they would come up to the door uh, and bring their dog in or, in or check out or whatever. And I remember sometimes I would be in the grooming room and then people would start talking to me. And blah, 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 blah. And I would have no idea what they're saying. And then they just keep talking. And I was, you know, trying to be polite, but I, like, I have no idea what they're saying. There's so much noise around me. And have you ever had a situation like that maybe... I don't know if it ever happened there or not, but I've, I know it's happened to me where uh, maybe there's a lot of noise or for whatever reason you can't understand what's being said to you and somebody says something, it's blah, 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 blah. You're, pardon me? Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? Blah, 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 blah. And after a third time, you're like, I don't know what I should do now. Like, should I ask a fourth time? It, try it one more time? And then sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. And then you hope that they're not saying, oh, yeah, my grandmother died. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, great. I mean, sometimes it's hard to hear when there's noise around you. And I, sometimes I wonder if that's why we don't hear the voice of God. It's like we have all these other sounds around us, all these other voices. And then when God does speak, we're like, what did he say? And the voices of the world drowned out the voice of God. We sometimes listen to the wrong voices. I think sometimes we listen too much to the world. We read and meditate on the content on our phones rather than reading and meditating God's Word. And then we wonder, why don't I hear from God? So part of the problem is that we're listening to the wrong voices. In addition, I think that Sometimes our phones or television or any other media can kind of colonize our mind to such an extent that we can't think about the things of God. I mean, you think about the way life was lived, you know, back in the days of the Puritans when they would read the scriptures and then maybe if they were farmers, they'd go out in the field. And what were they thinking about? They weren't thinking about, you know, football game. They weren't thinking about a concert coming up. I mean, that'd be nice to think about now, right? But, you know, they're not thinking about the things, all these different activities. There's really nothing that they're doing. They're thinking about the things of God. Thinking about their families. And I think sometimes, even, you know, as we're, anytime we have a spare moment, we pull out our phones, and whether it's we're reading something that's helpful or not, it's just like we're filling our minds up. We're occupied. Then we don't have any uh, mental energy. We don't have any time or space to meditate on the things of God. We don't have any time to uh, think about what God is saying to us. We don't have any time to dream about uh, what God might do through us. 
because we're occupied. I think another thing phones can do is they can make us impatient and distracted when it comes to reading God's Word. I mean, have you ever had this experience where you're like, all right, I'm going to read God's Word, and then you get a text message. And you look at the text message, and then you think about what, you, how you, what you're going to say to that person and how you're going to respond to them, and then it reminds you of something you have to do for work, and the email you have to send, you think, well, I'll, I might as well just send that out right away. And then you start thinking about what's happening uh, in the weekend, and then you look at the weather forecast and look at the, open the weather app on your phone, and then you remember that you didn't purchase something that you have to purchase. Then you go to your Amazon app and open up your Amazon app. Then you go back to the Scripture, finish what you're reading, and you're like... I didn't get anything out of that. It's like we weren't there. You know, and that's happened to me before. It's like you, you open God's word and then we're so distracted that we don't have the energy to, to hear from God. Bruce Hindmarsh, professor of spiritual formation at Regent College, says this. Our spiritual condition is one of having spiritual ADD. He says, we are more easily distracted from the important issues of our life moment by moment. The nature of digital communication is that we're endlessly distracted. In short, again, we can't love God unless we're listening. And we can't listen unless we're available. The question of whether or not we're going to do what God calls us to do in 2021, I think it comes down to, are we going to be available? Are we going to be available to those around us? Are we going to be available to hear from God? So where do we go from here? I'm not saying that phones or television or social media are evil. I'm not saying it's wrong to use these things. I continue to use these things. If God called you to give up those things, then, you know, that's great. I don't think he's calling all of us to do that. So how do we manage these things? How do we put them in their proper place? Well, that's a question that, Ultimately, you're going to have to figure out with God. But I have a few kind of pieces of advice, and I'll admit these things are not uh, 100% from the Scripture. Uh, it's, it's, uh, admit these are uh, my suggestions or opinions, so take them uh, as, you, as you may. Uh, but here's a few ideas. Uh, first question, start with the question, am I serving my phone or my phone serving me? Uh, phone can be a tool that allows us to do a lot of things can allow us to communicate with others. It can allow us to, especially during this day and age, to communicate with people that maybe we can't see in person. To keep relationships alive or, or, you know, or connect with people that maybe we haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, it can allow us to have some information that's helpful, information to know more about the world that we live in, to, to grow our understanding. And so there's some helpful things that phones can do, do but the question is not, uh, whether we use phones or don't use phones is whether uh, we serve our phones or our phones serve us. Are the phones serving our relationships, deepening our relationships, or are our phones hindering our relationships? Are the phones the object in and of themselves, or are relationships the object, and phones help us get there? I'll admit when I God started talking to me about these issues, at first I was... I was a little bit sad and kind of depressed and um, felt embarrassed that a phone had taken such a place of priority in my life. But then after that initial uh, conviction, I felt this joy because I felt like God was speaking words of freedom to me. 
that I didn't have to be enslaved to this device. And I think anytime God convicts us, God speaks to us about something that we need to change, He's speaking words of freedom to us. Because He wants the best for us. He wants us to live in, in, in service to Him and enjoy in a relationship with Him and those around us. So that's the first question we ask ourselves is, Am I serving my phone or is my phone serving me? Second, I think we need to develop a plan to be available to God and others. I don't know that it's enough to simply say, all right, I'm going to try not to use my phone as much or try not to use it in the presence of, of, of my spouse or children. I don't know that that's enough. I think that phones and, and, and a lot of other things as well are so addictive that maybe we need to give ourselves some clearer boundaries. And I don't know what those boundaries might be for you. It'd be different for me, for each person. Maybe for some people it's like, uh, all right, you know, after 5 o'clock, I'm, I'm going to put my do not disturb on and I'm not going to use my phone from 5 to 10 so I can spend, uh, you know, un, uh, unfettered, uh, devoted time with my family. Uh, may, maybe it looks different for each person. I don't know what it looks like, but I think we need to have a plan. Each of us have to have a plan of, of making ourselves available to those around us and to God. Um, there's, a, there's helpful tools, like I said, the do not disturb function on the phone. Um, there's also, I know my phone, I don't know if Andrew, or Apple has it or not, but um, it's called a focus mode, and basically in the focus mode you can turn off uh, all the apps except for the ones that you choose. And so say you want to do devotions and you just want to spend time with God uninterrupted, um, but maybe you want to listen to music. Uh, you can make, sure, make it so you can still listen to music. Uh, if you want to you know, still get phone calls and say in case someone needs to get a hold of you, emergency, you can you know, keep that on as well. And you can choose what, you know, what is available to you, uh, but still be focused on your time with God. Uh, I know... Uh, Android, and I'm assuming Apple has similar thing, I'm not sure, uh, but they have app timers, and so you can uh, choose a certain time that you want to spend on an app, um, whatever time that may be, and then put it in there, and then as soon as that time is up that you've spent on that app, uh, then it will go gray and it'll tell you time's up for today. And of course, if you wanted to add more, you can add more, uh, but it's just something to kind of keep us uh, focused and to keep to, to remind our hearts what's important because I don't think that just simply intention is going to be enough. I think we need some kind of boundary, some kind of plan for each of us uh, to make this happen. So that's the second suggestion, develop a plan to be available to God and others. And a third, and uh, this is going to be very controversial, uh, but I'm going to say it anyways, uh, be very careful about children and phones or screen time in general. I was listening to a, a TED talk on this topic, and this uh, speaker was kind of an expert or done some research in cell phone addiction. And he said, so people ask me, what age is it okay to give my child a phone? And he says, well, I, the way I respond to that is I say, uh, which what age are you comfortable with your son being exposed to pornography? What age are you comfortable with your daughter uh, feeling insecure about herself because of the images she sees on Instagram? And he says the moment we have, uh, our child has unrestricted access to a phone, they lose their innocence. And I have a little video to show you 
uh, four-minute video to show you kind of uh, the psychology around uh, cell phones and how that relates to children. So check out this video. We know that engagement with social media and our cell phones releases a chemical called dopamine. That's why when you get a text, feels good. Right? So you know we've all had it where you're feeling a little bit down or feeling a bit lonely, and so you send out 10 texts to 10 friends, you know, hi, 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 hi. Because <laughs> it feels good when you get a response, right? right? It's why we count the likes, it's why we go back 10 times to see if, and if it's going, if our, my Instagram is growing slower, I, 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 did I do something wrong, do they not like me anymore, right? The, the trauma for young kids to be unfriended, right? Because we know when you get it, you get a hit of dopamine, which feels good. It's why we like it. It's why we keep going back to it. Dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes us feel good when we smoke, when we drink, and when we gamble. In other words, it's highly, highly addictive, right? We have age restrictions on smoking, gambling, and uh, alcohol, and we have no age restrictions on social media and cell phones, which is the equivalent of opening up the liquor cabinet and saying to our teenagers, hey, by the way, this adolescence thing, if it gets you down. <laughs> but that's basically what's happening. That's basically what's happening, right? That's basically what happened. You have an entire generation that has access to an addictive, numbing chemical called dopamine through social media and cell phones as they're going through the high stress of adolescence. Why is this important? Almost every alcoholic discovered alcohol when they were teenagers. When we're very, very young, the only approval we need is the approval of our parents. And as we go through adolescence, we make this transition where we now need the approval of our peers. Very frustrating for our parents, very important for us. It allows us to acculturate outside of our immediate families into the broader tribe, right? It's a highly, highly stressful and anxious period of our lives, and we're supposed to learn to rely on our friends. Some people, quite by accident, discover alcohol and numbing effects of dopamine to help them cope with the stresses and anxieties of adolescence. Unfortunately, that becomes hardwired in their brains. And for the rest of their lives, when they suffer significant stress, they will not turn to a person. They will turn to the bottle. Social stress, financial stress, career stress. That's pretty much the primary reasons why an alcoholic drinks, right? What's happening is because we're allowing unfettered access to these dopamine-producing devices and media, Basically, it's becoming hardwired, and what we're seeing is as they grow older, they, too many kids don't know how to form deep, meaningful relationships. Their words, not mine. They will admit that many of their friendships are superficial. They will admit that their friends, that they don't count on their friends, they don't rely on their friends, they have fun with their friends, but they also know that their friends will cancel on them as something better comes along. Deep, meaningful relationships are not there because they never practice the skill set, and worse, they don't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. So when significant stress starts to show up in their lives, they're not turning to a person. They're turning to a device. They're turning to social media. They're turning to these things which offer temporary relief. We know, the science is clear, we know that people who spend more time on Facebook suffer higher rates of depression than people who spend less time on Facebook. Right? These things balanced. Alcohol is not bad. Too much alcohol is bad. Gambling is fun. Too much gambling is dangerous. Right? There's nothing wrong with social media and cell phones. It's the imbalance. Right? If you're sitting at dinner with your friends and you're texting somebody who's not there, that's a problem. That's an addiction. If you're sitting in a meeting with people you're supposed to be listening to and speaking and you put your phone on the table, face up or face down, I don't care, that sends a subconscious message to the room that you're, not just, you're just not that important to me anymore. Right? That's what happens. And the fact that you cannot put it away is because you are addicted. 
right? If you wake up and you check your phone before you say good morning to your girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse, you have an addiction. And like all addiction, in time, it'll destroy relationships, it'll cost time, and it'll cost money, and it'll make your life worse. Each parent has to make their own decisions when it comes to cell phone use and their children. Um, one thing I will say, though, is if we as adults have struggled with these things, how much more so are children that are uh, developing and still haven't learned how to put things into perspective? And, and I know the struggle is, is difficult because, you know, especially in our day and, and age, you know, maybe all of their friends have cell phones. It's like, do I want to prevent my child from having when, when all their kids, and I know that sometimes it starts at seven, eight years old. But what if God saw it from that perspective? You know, you think about ancient Israel, and God was a father or a parent to Israel. And, and the nations around Israel were worshiping other gods and, and, and doing terrible things like child sacrifices, all these things. And what if God was like, well, everybody around him is doing these things. Maybe I should just let him do it. I mean, just because people around them are doing it doesn't mean it's right. And our job is not to uh, work for our ch children's happiness as a first priority, but to lead them in holiness. And I believe that's what God is calling us to. So these, those are just some suggestions, opinions. Take them as you, as you like. Um, but I think the truth remains, we can't love God, we can't love others unless we're listening, and we can't listen unless we're available. James Hamilton, in his book, Mirrors, uh, talks about, like, shares this story. Uh, years ago, there, were, uh, there weren't, before refrigerators, there were ice boxes. And so you'd have this big, uh, kind of like maybe a pole barn or maybe slight, smaller than that. Uh, but you'd have this, this big building, and you'd have uh, really thick walls, no windows. And then they would go to the rivers and streams when it was cold out and they would chop off big pieces of ice from the, the rivers and streams, and they'd bring them and they put them in this ice, uh, ice box or ice room. And then they would put sawdust all around the ice. Uh, and uh, it would often last for some time. It would often last into the summer uh, if it was packed well and there was enough ice. So one day, uh, this worker was in there, and he lost his watch, dropped it somewhere in the sawdust, and uh, couldn't find it. He looked for an extended period of time, couldn't find it. And then he goes and he gets his friends, uh, fellow workers, and says, hey, can you help me find my watch? And so they all go in and start looking, looking, can't find it anywhere. Feel like they've searched the place up and down. And then it was about noon, and this little child goes into the icebox. And then a few minutes later, he came out with the watch. And they said, how did you find the watch? I mean, we, we searched the place up and down. We looked everywhere. We couldn't find the watch. How did you find it? He said, well, what I did was I went into the icebox, shut the door. I laid down in the sawdust, tried to be as still as possible, and then I could hear the clock ticking. And then I was able to find it. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we need to be still and quiet so that we can hear and we can meet the needs of those around us, and also so that we can hear the voice of God. As believers, let's resolve to be more available to God and other people as we enter into 2021. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love for us, even when we fail, even when we fall short of what you 
want for us. Lord, I thank you in your grace that you've spoken to me about these issues in the, the last several weeks, Lord. Lord, I pray that as a people, we would be available to those around us, that we would be uh, shining like lights in the sky, that when people would encounter us, they would sense something different, that we're available to hear their cries, to a world that's looking for validation, that's crying out for hope. I pray that we would be that hope. Lord, strengthen us, strengthen our relationships. And Lord, we pray that we would be available for, to hear from you as well. That we put aside the distractions, whether it was a cell phone or any other distractions. There's so many things that can distract us from relationships with others, relationship with you. I pray that we'd put those things in their proper place and that we'd hear clearly what you have to say to us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.